And a very good evening from Damien O'Mara. You are most welcome to the Monday edition of Game On. No surprise, tonight's programme will be dominated by one story and largely by one man. Hey, what now? It doesn't get as emotional as this. To see Messi and his Argentina side come back in the manner they did. 2 0 up, 2 2. 3 2 up, 3 3. And eventually to win in penalties. It absolutely a joy for the majority in this stadium. But for the little maestro, this is the pinnacle of his career. This is what he's worked for throughout his footballing career. For this moment, at this particular time, in front of these supporters, the nation on his, on his back to come out and did what he's did. Absolutely incredible. For the French players, heartbreak to come back in the manner that they did. It's unfortunate you have to have a winner, you have to have a loser. But for Messi and the joy that he's brought to so many for so long, that's one mini maestro talking about another mini maestro Ray Houghton on Lionel Messi over the course of the programme reflections on yesterday's World Cup final amongst the people that will join us a World Cup winner in 1978 it is a great pleasure to say Ozzy Ardiles will offer his insight uh, shortly on the programme we'll also be joined in studio by Alan Cawley Fergal Brennan will chip in as well we're going to reflect on the European Rugby Weekend in the company of Bernard Jackman and as the uh, dust settles on the sporting year reflections uh, from a sporting context from two of the big story makers of 2022 from an Irish perspective Rashida Adeleke and Vera Pau both feature on the programme between now and 7 o'clock 51552 for your texts at Game On 2FM will get us on Twitter Game On on 2FM So there you have it Alan Cawley have you recovered? I'm still trying to recover Damien Unbelievable Epic Do you know what I said on the radio on Radio 1 yesterday that like I don't appreciate fine art I don't appreciate expensive wine I don't appreciate poetry but You're I doing don't, yourself a disservice there. Well, I'm a bit there. cultured in other ways, Alan. But I just don't understand people who could watch something like that yesterday or not have an interest in the theatre, the drama, the highs, the lows, the emotions, the side stories, the talent, the skill, everything else. Yeah, it was just um it was just incredible, really, Damien. And and it was almost kind of um, indicative of what we had seen for the previous month with the tournament because it's been phenomenal the football side of things in terms of the drama and the underdog stories and the headline acts and all that kind of stuff and for this final to be billed as Messi versus Mbappe and sometimes finals don't always live up to that Damien but those two were front and centre in terms of the drama that unfolded before our very eyes it was just absolutely incredible to watch We are going to begin our reflections we'll uh, get stuck into things with bona fide legend of world football uh, yesterday marked Argentina's third success in the World Cup 2022 1986 and it all started in front of their home crowd in Argentina back in 1978 obviously quite a controversial f- uh, World Cup final with uh, the issues surrounding the Junta and their control of the country and Argentina's team eventually uh, rising above it all to win the trophy and one man who was central to that success was Ozzy Ardiles and it is a great pleasure to say that a short time ago he was kind enough uh, to give up of his time and he no doubt is a proud man today yeah I am yeah 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 it was uh, extraordinary yesterday extraordinary game and uh, extraordinary player Messi and, and an incredibly good team Argentina did incredibly well so I'm very 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 proud of them and of course I'm very very happy for a man who has lived his life in football and has seen so many great World Cup finals does yesterday stand out as the best final you have ever seen? It, it was. It was one of the very best finals. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. The only one that had been in penalty before, it was Brazil against um, France. No, against Italy, yes. Uh, but it wasn't... It was a penalty, so it was the the, the, pro, the, um, the excitement of the penalty. But the game itself it was nowhere near as good as at the game yesterday. Mm. Were you always confident, maybe before the game, were you confident that Argentina would win based on how they had performed over the course of the tournament? Yes, yes, I am Argentinian, so I, we always have a lot, a lot of confidence in our team. When, when Argentina lost the, the first game against Saudi Arabia, for example, I was, I was, my message to the Argentinian people was be very, very confident. This thing was very, very good, brilliant before coming into the World Cup. 
because they lost, we lost the game, that doesn't mean to say we are a bad team, not at all. So, um, yes, I mean, they show an incredibly character, and then we were in the final. So, and in the final as well, I mean, next time we were winning 3 2, so that's it, game over, and somehow they come back 3 3. I mean, they have a, from the emotional point of view, they have the advantage, certainly. And of course, in the 90 minutes, we were winning 2 0 and 2 all. so I mean, they have the advantage, but uh, no, I never cease to believe, no. An awful lot of focus is obviously on Lionel Messi. We we might chat about him in a moment, but I would imagine your goalkeeper will have the freedom of Argentina when he re- returns home because it was a phenomenal performance, particularly in extra time. Yes, he was uh, exactly. He gave us in the game sometimes. Of course, everybody talk about Messi, talk about Di Maria, Julian Alvarez, and so on, but. Uh, I mean, he has been all the team. The defense was very, very good. Cuti Romero, Tamendi, and, and of course, the goalkeeper, I mean, the save, two or three minutes, that was a complete, it was a kind of miracle, I would say, because really, I mean, it's not that he saw the shot. Somehow he put his left to, to make it as big as possible, and, and he said, so it was, it was great, yeah. Can I ask you a question from an Argentine perspective when football is as important as it is to the country? It is. It has been far too long. What will this mean for Argentina to have ended such a long wait for a World Cup title? It means an incredibly a lot, a lot, a lot. Because I mean, obviously, you, you you probably know how fanatical we are in Argentina about football. Uh, so much that really the only sport that we no, it's not the only sport that we play there. We play a lot of other sports as well, but. Football is kind of overwhelming. So, uh, yes, it means a lot to Argentina and a lot of Argentina at the moment has serious, serious economical problems in a lot, a lot of ways. It's a country, it's a country very, very divided in political lines and so on. So, this, uh, I mean, to be everybody following one, one direction is very, very good indeed. And did that situation at home, do you think that added motivation or did that bring extra pressure to this squad, knowing what victory would mean to the people who are enduring such well, a difficult the, time? It was, it was all the time a lot, a lot of pressure on the squad, right from the beginning. I mean, and not only now, every time that you put the, I mean, it was the same thing when I when I was playing for Argentina. As soon as you put the Argentinian shirt in your, in your shoulders, I mean, you have... You are under enormous, enormous pressure because you are dissected. I mean, every performance, uh, everybody's talking about you and so on. So it's the pressure there. And in fact, you cannot stand the pressure. You have to get out of the kitchen, really. Mm. Can I ask you the, the obvious question about Messi? My personal opinion is he did not win, need to win a World Cup to be regarded as the greatest footballer of all time. But it is obviously such an important achievement for him. And it feels in a way like Argentina fell back in love with Lionel Messi in recent weeks. Yes. Well, yes, of course. I mean, if you remember, I mean, full, full credit to Scaloni, our, our manager. If you remember two years ago, a little bit more than two years ago, Messi was so, so fed up and that with Argentina, with the national team, and so on, he decided not to play anymore for the national team. And it was Scaloni that convinced him that, uh, yes, you, you, you carry on playing. He made a team around him, and things started to change for him. Because all the time he was in comparison with Maradona. Maradona was brilliant. He, was, he used to fight everything, and he was not a fighter. He was brilliant, but not a fighter, etc. And in fact, Messi played a lot, like Maradona in, in, in this World Cup. He was fighting with the referee, he was fighting with the opposition, he, he was very, very clearly the leader and so on. So that, I mean, that's it. People cannot say that, oh, okay, you didn't win the World Cup, so you cannot be compared with Maradona. Of course you can be compared with Maradona, you can be compared with Pelé, you can be compared mm. with all the, all the very, very best players in the history of football. Can I, can I ask you, obviously people like to fixate on Messi against Ronaldo, different players against each other. Can we not just enjoy the brilliance of Messi and the brilliance of Maradona without having to have a debate about which one is the greatest? Absolutely. But uh, yeah, of course, it's always the press asking me this question. And I have to be 
Only, I mean, they're incredibly similar in the way they play football. Outside football, as a personality type, they are very, very, very different. Maradona was a bullying, he, he, he talked a lot, etc., etc., etc. And Messi, the contrary, he was very kind of timid, they did talk a lot, and more calm and so on. But uh, footballistically, they are very, very similar. In fact, both of them are. In a way, they are extraterrestrial. It's not uh, they are magical. They are not of this world in the way that they prefer. They're incredibly, incredibly good. Just a final question, and thank you so much for giving us of your time. Is there a large Argentine community still in in London where you are based that you are able to celebrate with? Yes, it were uh, yesterday in Trafalgar Square. There were a lot, lot of Argentinians. I didn't go there. Because I, I just live outside London and with the traffic and the cold and so on, so no. But uh, yes, they were celebrating, they took over Trafalgar Square and they were sh- shouting for Argentina and so on. So that, that was incredibly good. But I'm incredibly happy for for my country. My country needs this kind of uh, injection of faith, injection of tolerance and so on. So it's really... I would presume, and I promise you this will be the last question, I presume you have all of your memorabilia, your medals, your jerseys from 1978, that they are something that are particularly special to you when you reflect on your career. Yeah, I do. But, uh, I mean, I wish I had a lot of more things. In fact, I never I never collected anything. So, But at the end of the day, I have my medal, of course, and I have the, the shirt when I played the, the final, the 1978 final. So, that's the only thing I have. Anything else, I don't have. You have a lot more, but I, I didn't, and, and I don't. I'm fortunate. The great Ozzy Ardiles. Ozzy, thank you so much for your company. Thank, thank you so you much, much for your time. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's the great Ozzy Ardiles chatting within the last half hour. Class. Not every day you get to talk to a World Cup winner. There you go, Damien. And no better day to do with the following what we watched yesterday. So incredible. Um, Fergal Brennan is with us as well. How are you, Fergal? Very good. No World Cup winner medal for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, there you go. Ozzy has his, you know. He's, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it keeps it, it keeps it um, close to his heart. Um, Fergal, like we, we just chatted very briefly <clears throat> at the top of the programme, just to mark it. Um, like a World Cup shrouded in controversy, a World Cup which leaves us with so many questions about sporting administration <clears throat> and the awarding of major tournaments, but a World Cup in footballing terms, a brilliant sporting World Cup culminated with a final that may may never be beaten in terms of drama? I think you struggle to see a situation where it is beaten. Um, for me, I don't think it will be beaten. It definitely is the best World Cup I've ever watched for for drama, for tension, and for, and for quality individually with Lionel Messi and with Kylian Mbappe. But just the two teams, you could. it was so brilliant to see how the momentum shifted at various stages and was then dragged back. When you think of the France goals, Argentina didn't let it lie. They got themselves back into it in extra time. And then again, France dragged themselves back up off the canvas to to get back into it. It it was incredible, absolutely incredible. But the point that you make in terms of the wider issues that were very... um, noticeable and, and brought to the fore at the start of the tournament. We have I think we all have a responsibility to not let that lie. Um sometimes these things can get lost, particularly if you know the kind of cliche of the football or the, the action on the pitch can maybe distract when it is so entertaining and so brilliant. But there was a huge amount of justified points that were raised at the start and during the early stages of the tournament and it's very important that that, that isn't forgotten. It was an incredible, incredible final and a little bit of a cliche as it is, football did win in the end, but um, everything else that went with Qatar 2022 shouldn't be forgotten. And FIFA, in terms of their selection for tournaments moving forward and the way that they handle these types of situations, that needs to improve. This needs to be a lesson for FIFA, for World Cup organisers. Um, and I hope that it is. I don't have an enormous amount of confidence that it will be, but I hope that it is. Yeah, and, you know, I think <coughs> there seems to be a view, certainly, that this has been a roaring success in terms of logistics for Qatar, and this will now be the springboard towards a Winter Olympics bid or potentially a Summer Olympics bid, which we'll wait and see how all that plays out. But certainly Infantino and uh, others within FIFA still have questions to answer. Um, to talk about the football, Alan, we, we look back at it like unbelievable drama. 37 minutes in, the mm. game was over half time Didier Deschamps in France must have gone into the dressing room and I'm sure the message is we're still in this because we've not kicked the ball in the opening 45 minutes it was unbelievable 
I'm not sure if he was thinking that going in that we're still in it Damien they were so outplayed they were totally dominant Argentina you couldn't see a way back for them you really couldn't and what surprised me most about it all as good and all as Argentina were in that first half the best they've played they were outstanding France were desperate really really bad and almost to the point where you, you would be looking at it and and all I was thinking was something's gone wrong here like all the talk about the virus and um been rampant in the camp prior to the kickoff. That was the only thing you could look at in that first performance and think, obviously, it's affected three, four, five of these players because it was too bad to be true. It really was how poor they were. Now, Argentina started like a house on fire and were fantastic. And first five, 10, 15 minutes, they just took the game at such an intensity to France. And that can happen at times. But then you're expecting maybe 10, 15 min- minutes into it that you'll see some sort of a reaction. But we never saw that reaction. Then Argentina took the lead, deservedly so. Then, as you say, they went two up. And, and, and right, Damien, at 37 minutes you're thinking this game is dead and buried he made the substitutions I thought he was brave to do that but he had to do it then you're thinking he makes another couple of substitutions in the second half to get themselves back into the game and that wasn't really having an impact either Mm. and and like where I was watching it and everybody in my own view at 70 minutes I'm thinking this is just petering out to be probably one of the most comfortable World Cup final victories we'll ever see and then little did we know in the space of 90 seconds the whole thing exploded into life but Fergal on, on that note like you look at like Deschamps um, we, we passed comment on it yesterday on the radio we were doing full commentary of the game and we had a feed of pictures coming in from Qatar and he, he did an interview with French television as he walked back out for the start of the second half and all you could see was just pure unadulterated anger and then the quotes are translated afterwards and I think he he was very keen to move away from the potential impact of the virus to simply say we had a plan and we've not implemented any of it so surely he has to wake up this morning to think what could have been in terms of the momentum that they allowed Argentina early on in the game Yeah because ultimately we we get into a we'll never know territory because I would agree with what Alan said in terms of 70-75 minutes we're all kind of packing up and thinking this is it Argentina's name is on the trophy obviously it was in the end but we thought it would be a lot more straightforward and I think with France you are right this this will be rolling around in Deschamps' head this morning and obviously the speculation about whether he will even stay on in the long term as uh, as manager I don't think he made mistakes in terms of his starting lineup. only we will know only, only he will know sorry um, exactly how deep the virus in, impacted his squad which players were struggling to the extent that they were and, and maybe some of those that hadn't um, contracted this virus that maybe were just running on empty we saw that with Rafa Varane in extra time he just looked dumb he, he looked like he couldn't run another step um, but I, I don't think this was a huge glaring error by France the starting 11 was the starting 11 that we assumed it would be Argentina forced their game on them and, and France just couldn't or didn't manage to react in any sort of positive way. I think the changes did make a big difference. Um, Colin Moani, who, who came on just before half-time, I thought he was brilliant. Could have been a hero at the end if it hadn't been for Emiliano Martinez and that brilliant save to then send it to penalties. But I, I don't think Deschamps, the French players, can really beat themselves up a bit too, too much because... They re- they reacted with enough time to get themselves back into it. The momentum was with them. They then lost it. They then had it again. And I, I just think, and you know, Alan and I said this last Friday, it just seemed written for Messi and for Argentina. Kylian Mbappe did his best, but it just seemed written that by hook or by crook, Messi was going to do it. Um, I chastised you, Alan, for your romance a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think you know, it, it then stemmed onto Twitter between the three of us. Um, like <laughs> Romance played an impact because... Mbappe was the man of the match yesterday. Was he? Oh, I thought the way he lifted that team mm. in the second half. I wouldn't say that, he was man listen, of the match. He had I, moments, the, oh, two of the biggest moments. But he, he scored a hat trick in a World Cup final. He didn't kick the ball for seventy-five oh, minutes. Come here, then look at the goal. Like oh, no, the but goal that's what I'm and the momentum. Oh and no, that, and in terms of the moments, were absolutely fantastic. And and for a, for a boy so young as you say, to claw his team back in the manner that he did in the space of those ninety seconds was incredible, and and shows the character of the lad. But he was missing for seventy-five minutes. So I'm getting overly romantic with the volley that leveled the game. That was a great goal. That was like a great goal to do that on that that stage. Fergal like that takes skill it takes talent it takes bravery what about the 75 minutes with Messi before that Oh no, yeah, but sure, like that's what you expect. <laughs> <laughs> that's standard. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get a narrative, Alan. But like, but you know, in turn, yeah, okay, grand. About to, I'm, I sure. What do I know? Um, but like, you know, in terms of World Cup final goals, Fergal, you, you'll find that that'll be hard beaten. 
Yeah, and, and scoring a hat trick in the World Cup final, first time since since 1966. I I would maybe tip a bit more for Mbappe as man of the match. Maybe that's just a bit of a sympathy vote because he ended up on the the losing team and he, and he looked very down in the mouth with his Golden Boot award and his and his silver medal. I think we saw an example of what both Messi and Mbappe are great at, and that's where I would agree with Alan. This idea of great moments. Messi due to his age and Mbappe due to the type of player that he is they don't have games that they run and dominate and dominate and dominate part of that is obviously due to their position they, they, you know, they play at the higher end of the pitch and they rely on service to them but that's what makes them the level that they are like the pressure that France were under 10 minutes away from just getting binned out of the, the World Cup final and the calmness of Mbappe penalty goal brilliant volley and then again in extra time the whole of the football planet watching him didn't even flinch and he stuck away his, his spot kick in the, in the shootout as well so I think that's that's we saw it we saw yesterday why the best players it is in those moments they don't need to do an enormous amount for the huge amount of a game we've been saying this about Messi for the whole World Cup that he can be quiet for 10 or 15 minutes and then bang just a moment where he'll just win a game for Argentina that was the case yesterday probably more dramatically for, for Mbappe because France to a man just weren't good enough but their star man did it the difference being that I think a few more of Argentina's I wouldn't say foot soldiers but a few more of the guys that are the supporting cast for Messi played above themselves yesterday Rodrigo de Paul hasn't been fantastic throughout the tournament he was really good yesterday and a few others stepped up and backed Messi mm. whereas I think a few of the French players didn't step up when Mbappe was trying to drag them forward I think they have more of a case team the likes of those supporting acts um, than Mbappe or even Messi to be man of the match because they were outstanding we all expected nearly of Messi and Mbappe and Messi as we know has been the story and he's been phenomenal for throughout the tournament and in the match yesterday but the likes of McAllister who's had a brilliant tournament Fernandez, since he's come into the team absolutely outstanding as well and one player who was totally written off and I watched him in the first game against Saudi Arabia and he was dreadful Di Marie was absolutely brilliant and it was a masterstroke by Scaloni to play him in that position because it it pinned Kunde back he couldn't get out they were pinned in in that area of the pitch and it also allowed McAllister just to drop into those lovely little pockets on the inside left channel as well mm. pick up lovely positions free up Messi to roam around as well so a lot of the talk is about the individuals and the quality on play but if you go back to even the semi-final with Scaloni when we thought he'd match up with a 4-3-3 against Croatia he played four across the middle DePaul wide right as a as a unorthodox right midfielder he played McAllister as a left midfielder where they don't play for their clubs and then yesterday changed up again with that one Di Maria coming into the team mm. that I didn't see I didn't predict that and I also then it freed up McAllister into a lovely position so the manager deserves enormous amounts of credit as well uh, Text from Adam to 51552 Lads did you not see Di Maria's goal best ever in a World Cup final He hit it into the ground the O's had finished Brilliant. I am not having Di Maria's goal ahead of Mbappe's volley Oh no I don't think so but it was a great finish Yeah but it's not the greatest goal ever he in might a World mean Cup the final. team. He might mean a team goal to be fair to the texter I'm still having Mbappe it was a brilliant team um, goal. We've not talked about a goalkeeping performance, and um, you know, Fergal, we, we, you know, you talk about players being much maligned, and the amount of screenshots I saw yesterday of Martinez's Wikipedia page of Oxford United, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham United, Wolves, Getafe, Reading, Aston Villa. All for us yet, Damien. He shut an awful lot of people <laughs> up yesterday. He did, and he's been doing that since he, he came in, and he, he's a great example of seizing an opportunity. There was there was injuries. I think there was a. Covid outbreak in the Argentina squad just before <clears throat> they went on to win the Copa America in, in 2021, and he he's grabbed it and he's become this kind of cult icon. And you list off some of those teams, and you you can make an argument to say the most the two most important players yesterday for well definitely yesterday, but maybe even for the whole tournament for Argentina is arguably the greatest player of all time, and a fella that's been playing League One, League Two football on loan. That shows the gap between but he's absolutely nailed what Scaloni wants from his goalkeeper he's brave he's confident he likes the mind games he likes the nonsense we saw that in the penalty shootout a World Cup final penalty shootout for a fella with all due respect to him has not played a huge amount of top flight football to have the confidence to be giving it to Coleman giving it to Schumann he was even giving it to Mbappe I know he put it past him in the end well, that just that just shows that if, if you take an opportunity like that, and particularly for goalkeepers, they can spend entire careers just milling around and being a second, third choice on the international circuit. He saw his chance, he grabbed it, he did brilliantly in the Copper America for them. And he's a hero now 
He, his name will be remembered just like, just taking Messi out of the equation for a second, all of those players will be remembered by Argentina fans for a very, very, very long time. And a lot of them don't have a CV nearly as good as, not even just Messi, as good as Di Maria or Dybala or, or other players. And that's credit to them for stepping up a level when they needed and to Scaloni, uh, first Argentina manager to win the Copa and the World Cup. And he's he's been excellent. And go all the way back to the first game when they lost to Saudi Arabia. He rallied them, he changed things, and now they've won a World Cup. A um, couple of things. You, any final thoughts down on the final? Anything else? Just, I, you're so right to bring up the goalkeeper, Damien, because we're on about <coughs> man of the matches and dominant spells and patterns of play and tactics, and you can talk about all that stuff all night. That one moment, that save, is everything. Okay. Um, focus on FIFA. Um, Infantino the mm. presentation like, I know people are critical of the robe that Messi had was adorned with mm. um, My, un- I was reading about it today my understanding is it's an Arab tradition that if there's two tribes go to war the winning leader of the winning tribe gets adorned with a robe mm. and that was representative of Arab culture and Arab history if somebody wants to text in and correct me they can but that's my understanding of it Okay, the optics of it, people are saying, ah, he should have been in his. I know Gary Lineker on the BBC was very, very critical of it. But Infantino, mm. who gave the impression that he was a clean brush when he took the job a couple of years ago, mm. completely embarrassed himself beyond. Beyond embarrassment. Beyond being able to redeem himself mm. with his press conference in advance of the tournament. And again, yesterday, the presentation. Nobody got <coughs> as close to Messi as Infantino did during the presentation. And it's just all of the optics you look for leadership you look for leaders to inspire and to like be the shining light for the future of organisations and in Infantino over the course of this World Cup none of that became apparent No absolutely Damien everything you've just said I agree totally because that was my understanding as well I know it didn't look good in terms of them putting the robe on him but that's part of the culture or whatever and, and that was the, the meaning of that or the gesture then as you say when it comes to them handing over the trophy Infantino made a holy show of himself and it was it was embarrassing it really was because you look at that moment that's just just give him the trophy and step back but when you're the egos at play Damien and, and it's been at play for a long time throughout that tournament as you say front and centre you spoke now almost in spite of FIFA with the football being great it makes them look good almost to the point where he's out back slapping every chance he gets and telling everybody how brilliant it was and how great it is as I say when the ego takes over you've no chance and and sadly for us if he's going to be running obviously football for the next period of time and, and, and unfortunately for us he will be there'll be more instances of this because he's not going to back down now from the stance that he's taken throughout the tournament and, and where he sees himself in the in the footballing landscape as well. Just Fergus, as we near conclusion on the World Cup, you know, we touched upon mm. it at the start, that th- th- this is a tournament which will be remembered for Messi winning it, it will be remembered for the brilliance of the football. Um, human nature is probably that the controversies around it, the suitability of Qatar as a host venue, the legitimacy of the bidding process, the issues around human rights, the issues around <coughs> migrant workers, the issues around artificial atmospheres and everything else, that will probably all be largely forgotten as the passage of time rolls back into football and everything else because the circus has left town and there is now nobody there to really put the spotlight on the ringmaster. I would agree. And I'd go back to what I said at the beginning, that that's, that's where supporters, journalists, the media, they, they, they do individually, collectively have a responsibility to make sure these things, as you say, don't just fade into the background and this gets remembered as Messi's tournament and wasn't it fantastic to see him winning the World Cup because that is the side story to what was going on. The concern is FIFA need structural change in terms of bidding processes in terms of how they vet potential countries or even joint bids and not just for World Cups for all sorts of tournaments we saw a few days ago Infantino speaking about uh, a new Club World Cup that's going to be starting in in a matter of months on the back of the first mid-season World Cup there's going to be more international tournaments there's going to be more international football and it's a runaway train from FIFA because there's absolutely no contact with um, continental federations UEFA, Conanbol etc or clubs or individual leagues because the players will be expected to attend these tournaments but nobody else will have any sort of say on this and just to quickly touch on on Alan's point on Infantino is brand Infantino that's why he wanted to be there yesterday he wanted his face to be in those pictures with Messi because those pictures will be beamed around the world for weeks and months to come and he is right there and that's what we've seen this tournament we've seen his ego become so apparent within FIFA. FIFA in the past has been quite a 
faceless organization where things were decided by suits behind closed doors. We now have an individual that is brazenly, almost arrogantly, talking about human rights abuses and various other things that should not be going on. And he's almost smirking about it. And that, yeah. that leaves a very, very bitter taste for me. Just to finish then, um, like, listen, it is the Messi World Cup. It will be remembered as the Messi World Cup. It will be remembered as the Messi final. Um, Gareth Southgate, uh, Fergal, no massive surprise <clears throat> once the dust has settled that certainly with the job he has done that there is a case for him to stay on. Did you think he would recommit or did you expect him to head off for pastures new? No, I, I, I think I got asked this uh, last week when uh, there was a bit of speculation about would he, would he stay. I did expect, as you say, once the dust had settled, and Gareth Southgate's quite a, a sensible operator, uh, and the FA, I think, internally are very pleased with, with the job that he's done. The issue for him now, in terms of another contract after Euro 2024 to go on to the World Cup in 2026, the expectation is that England at least have to get to the final. Um, and that might not happen um, but I think between now and the Euros, obviously that's been confirmed. I fully expect England to qualify for Euro 2024. But in terms of a fifth tournament for Gareth Southgate, I think that all depends on how he does in, in 2024. Very briefly, Alan. Yeah, I like Southgate. I thought he was going to stay on, Damien. Um, I didn't see any reason for him not to stay on because I think they've done okay in the tournament. Obviously, they'll have regrets, but they went out basically on a decent performance against France that game could have went either way I'm sure as I say anytime you lose you will look back with regrets and think what could have been but I think Southgate is doing a very very good job and I'm glad to see him stay on I like Southgate OK Fergal thanks so much for your time as always no problem at all Fergal Brennan was there Alan uh, as well you going to stay you going to go you're what do you want go? me to do whatever you want to do I'm staying do you want to stay I'm here for I'll the long what, haul Damien Bernard Jackman's with us now. I like Bernard stay for Bernard he's my friend we're going to take a break back in two minutes game on rugby and you're very welcome back to the programme. Alan Cawley is still with me. Bernard Jackman joins us as well. Hiya, Bernard. Good evening, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Did you watch the rugby yesterday now or did you watch the World Cup final? This is our... Be honest, you know, Bernard, be honest. Question of note. Look, I watched the, the, the football live and the rugby on um, on replay, but I don't... Look, you'd have to be... I love rugby, but, jeez, if I hadn't missed that game for, for a, a game of rugby, I would have been... Um, Disappointed in myself. It was. You know the thing. Class. You know the thing about that answer. I wasn't expecting anything different. There you go. <laughs> Bang on, Bernard. Bernard's a sensible man. Um, come here. We, we could go through this chronologically, or we could go through it in terms of prominence. The the thing that st- stands out for me from the weekend just gone from a, a rugby perspective is Ulster and this run of form that they continue to be on. I know there's controversy within the Ulster camp around the switching of the game to the Aviva Stadium, but how do you make sense, or maybe more importantly? How do you turn around what is a very, very worrying run of form at the early stages of what is this mammoth block of rugby that the provinces have to play? Oh, they turn it around on, on Friday in the sports ground. Um, they need points now. They need a win. Um, and they'll they'll deflect and, and talk about the EPCR and, and how hard done by they were. And it was a distraction for sure. But realistically, that first half performance for them on the back of you know, a, a terrible 80 minutes against Sale and a very poor 50 minutes against Leinster um, is worrying for them. And the, the comeback in the second half and getting two points is great. But realistically, you know, Lara Shell eased off. They took off some of their, their big power players. And um, yeah, the, the, they need to go to Connacht and, and put in an 80 minute performance. And um, if not, there's going to be continuous question marks then I think they play Leinster um, the week after and you know we know how hard it is to, to beat them so um, it's yeah it, it's worrying times for them uh, and look at they, they will take confidence from the comeback as such but I, I think you know uh, I think Larchelle has certainly taken their eye off the ball In a week like this you know people talk about player driven driven dressing rooms does it have to be a situation like that where those involved those who cross the whitewash are the ones who grab each other by the scruff of the neck and drag it forward because presumably like what can Dan McFarland and his coaches say to try and get into the heads of players I think it has to be fair led but the reality is it's not it, the, the pressure will come on McFarland uh, and, his, and his coaches because you know you're not going to um, release what, 35, 40 players you're, you're going to release uh, a coach uh, if things continue to go poorly so it has to be a, a combination um, of, of Dan trying to get the message right trying to build confidence and you know trying to frame things um, and find out what's gone wrong um, and, and correct it and they're still a very good team it's mm-hmm. on paper um, and up till the Leinster game um, you know we, we were we were certainly considering them as pundits to be 
challenges for silverware but for whatever reason they've had a horrendous um, you know couple of hours of, of rugby and they need to, to address that the good teams the teams who, who win silverware you know don't blow out to the level that Ulster have over the last two weeks so it has to be a one-off and they have to find a way to, to make sure it doesn't happen again and in terms of their European season they're third from bottom in Pool B this structure which I'm not massively a fan of I don't know about you dictates that all but four teams will progress to yeah. the, you know, the, the advanced stage so like it is salvageable but you're in a situation where you're hoping now that La Rochelle have their work done and maybe take one eye off the ball when it comes to the return leg or you're hoping that you know when it comes to the final weekend you know that you're, you're facing a team in sale who don't have anything to play for so it's not quite out of your own hands but it will be dictated by where other teams focuses are yeah it does look I think going to La Rochelle La Rochelle will never give anyone an inch at home um, so I don't think that realistically a win is is on the table there but they may look at you know, losing bonus point down there, and uh, that would be a good result, I think. And then, obviously, um, if they could get uh, four points or five points at home to sale, that'd be eight. That might that might get you through, you know. And and then hope to be in a in a bit of better form. It's it's a mad setup. And look at that. the reality is, you know, they they reformatted this down to pressure from the English and French to play less games, um, one less, uh, two less games um, in the group stages, but then they added an extra game in the last 16 um, the, the English now might be willing to compromise because they've lost Worcester and Wasps so they may be interested in, in going back some way towards the old format but the French are going to be incredibly hard to get mm. back to where we were at and this system it's just you know we, we used to see dead rubbers in round 5 and 6 but um, you know to see it in round 2 like we saw you know, Friday night in, in the RDS, um, it's just, it's not a good look for the competition. And broadcasters, fans, sponsors, you know, they're, they're going to be asking questions. Yeah. Um, just uh, before we, we talk about Leinster, and like realistically, there's not an awful lot we can say about it. Um, Munster, 17-6 winners away to Northampton um, yesterday. Uh, Gavin Coombs, two tries. Joey Carberry, two conversions and a penalty. Like, it was, the, the uh, like, I know it's a time for delivering cards and everything else, but like, cheaper. I've never seen so many yellows in quick succession in a match for quite some time. Um, massively important for Munster to have got back to winning ways and they will take an awful lot from not just the victory but kind of that resilience that they showed in patches in the second half the old Munster way of doing things yeah absolutely and they, look they took confidence from that near defeat to, to, to lose they were they were very disappointed obviously to lose in Europe at home but I think they recognise that to lose at the moment are, are a little bit for, are a long way ahead in terms of the journey and they were more competitive against them but then they went and, and won what was a must win game in Northampton and it did with a mixture of the old-fashioned monster stickiness and, and an edge and um, good defence, um, cute cute play in all aspects. But then, uh, didn't need the tries, but I thought the monster attack that first half um, was much more fluid. They were asking questions of Northampton, um, which wasn't around a forward play, which wasn't around tight around the rook. They were getting the ball to waste. And that will... That will be their um, their saviour once once they they stick to that, and they will stick to it because Graham Rancher realises that they don't have the cattle to be a, a forward oriented team. Um, they still need their forwards to to roll their sleeves and get them scores like they did the weekend, you know, from Lionel Mall or, or from that peel that we saw from Gavin Coombs. And every team has that, but Munster were overly reliant on on their forward pack, and and you can see a shift now. And but yes, you know, strong defence. Dennis Lee would be delighted, um, and you know. Peter Mahoney and, and Tyburn um, just being, you know, real nuisances and, and getting amongst Northampton who um, who weren't weren't at the races really. The scoreline, I know Northampton had a bit of dominance at the end, but um, I thought Munster should have been further ahead. Um, is there anything Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster will have learned about their players in the RDS on Friday evening with a 57-0 win over you know, let's be very honest, not quite the Gloucester reserves, but closer to the Gloucester reserves than the Gloucester first team. Um, like, again, I think you've touched upon it, a damning indictment of where the competition is at at times. Yeah, I, I think that they, they'll actually be hard on their players. I, I actually think Leinster were anywhere near as accurate as they were the week before against Racing. Um, in terms of their attacking play, there was some breakdowns that they didn't resource properly. Some of their passing was a little bit behind when it's usually out front and allows them to, to keep the foot on, or the foot on the throat. So I think they will 
ask questions of their own performance, their own preparation, their own mentality. Um, but from a positive point of view, when they got themselves into a little bit of difficulty and they were they weren't putting Gloucester away, they just went to that forward power game. And I think their scrum now um, and their lineup mall is at a different level than it was last year. And it's not just down to Jason Jenkins. He didn't play to begin. He does help us. Um, but I think every one of their players are a little bit more focused on the importance of the nuts and bolts. And it's become a weapon for them. And um, that's going to be key. You know, look, the reality is that the way the European Cup has gone, there's only really three or four contenders. Um, and Leinster may not get tested until you know the knockout stages, and they're looking. They're very lucky. They'll, they'll be at home all the way if they get, if they go all the way. Um, whereas obviously they've lost you know away in France twice um, the last two years. So that's a big advantage. But still, they're they've focused on the areas that let them down against La Rochelle and the Bulls last year, which was when your attacking game wasn't functioning to be able to go to a set piece. Um, I have that weapon, and I think they they have it now. So uh, you know, not happy with how their their overall game went, but delighted with how their set piece is going. And just very briefly, a word on Connacht: thirty one twenty four winners away from home. There was a time if an Irish team won in France, we'd have opened the program um, in raptures over it. Uh, they're two from two, so you know, depending on where the Challenge Cup falls into their ambitions for the season as the year progresses, they they can't have done anything else in terms of getting themselves a footing in the competition. No, and Damien, the most important thing is they've done is rotating players, whereas previously in Europe they've had to go with the same 15 that they play in the URC. So they've got more depth than ever. I don't think the Challenge Cup is a priority for them, but get to a knockout stage, who knows. Bernard, to you and yours, happy Christmas. Thanks so much Thank for your time you as too, always. Bye. Bernard Jackman with us there. We are going to hear from Vera Pau, and depending on how much we talk, possibly Rashida Adeleke after the break. <laughs> Game on on 2FM. The there is when Alan and I are deep in conversation during the ad break about politics and... All the, the things you love. All the things I love, you know. What do I love? Football. And me. I know, if I'm a football nut. I don't know what, but Carabao Cup choose tonight, Damien. <laughs> so it's all about... We actually were in a deep conversation about the brackets in the Carabao Cup and how it's all going to play out. Um... Uh, RT Sports Awards took place here at RT HQ over the weekend. Uh, Katie Taylor, mm. Sports Person of the Year, which you've been yours. Yeah. Okay. And I think as well, like I know that the, the discussion and debate has broken out, and it's a, it's been around for a while. They should do everything in their power to have the Croke Park fight. Can I ask you a question? She's been inv- she's been Come so here. inspirational, Katie Taylor. I'm playing devil's advocate now to an extent, right? I would love to see her fight in Crow Park I would love to see her have a massive fight or Aviva people forget that after she won her gold medal in London she fought was she to fight in the three arena and it was moved to the board gosh or something like that and it didn't sell out I have this worry that there are loads of people who love Katie and Mm. love what Katie has done but the economics of those big fights I'm worried it would price people out of it where I'm coming from yeah, if you yeah, have to, yeah. if you have to spend it's, it might be too big of, too if you big. have to spend north of a thousand euro or significantly north of a thousand euro to sit in the pitch or a couple of hundred euro I wouldn't have to, to pay that would you well how do they make it work well otherwise Crow Park the GA aren't going to give them Crow Park for free no well, a standard ticket for a boxing event isn't a thousand euro it is ringside but who's going to sit ringside me and you me and you <laughs> I'm not going to be paying. Anyway, Katie Taylor, uh, RT Sports Person of the Year for the third time. Uh, Paula Donovan, Fintan McCarthy, Team of the Year. The great Jimmy Barry Murphy inducted into the Hall of Fame. The RTE Sport Manager of the Year was Vera Powell after a year in which the Republic of Ireland uh, qualified for a first ever major tournament, reaching the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year as a result of that 1-0 playoff win over Scotland in Glasgow. Obviously, it was a, a week the tail end of last week was one of particular focus on Vera with the NWSL report uh, which she spoke to Tony O'Donoghue about at great length uh, last week and all that has gone on to that which does come up in this chat which took place after the awards and if you saw them you would know that Vera was a very surprised woman that it was her name that came out of the envelope Yeah what a year it was I was just shocked the the nominees were so strong and I was so proud to be nominated and be in line of those names. And, um, and what not for a second I had expected um, with such a difficult year that this would, yeah, that this would happen. And I'm, I'm so grateful and also the bravery of RT, the, 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 the people who have voted or who have decided 
that they just do it and and that gives me such a warm feeling um, that people believe me that people know that that I will give everything for for those players um, and that we created a bond that is yeah that is so strong but that it's recognized and that yeah can I have an Irish passport, please? I'm sure you can. I'm sure that can be arranged. Jack Charlton got honorary citizenship. Now, he did. He made quite a dent at a World Cup, so perhaps it adds to the pressure. Um, listen, I, I hadn't intended to, to bring up the events of the week, but you've touched upon it. It has been such a whirlwind week for you, and yeah. we have a saying in Ireland about not quite knowing which side of you is up. Yeah. You must feel a little bit like that. I, I'd imagine you must be a wall of emotion. Yeah, that's also part of the shock, of course. Um, Yesterday, I had a long press conference to stand up for myself. Um, and I just wanted to face people. And I'm open, I'm honest. Um, and I think that, yeah, what happened to me uh, over the last two days is something that you cannot imagine because I'm the opposite. And um, I hope people have been reading that in the papers. I'm also so grateful that the journalist just wrote what I said and, and that they were open to me because normally in any other situation or in other countries, um, organizations will just put you on the side and without even talking to you. Um, like Houston Dash has, has done. They have not spoken with me since I left the club. Not one word, I've not spoken with anyone. So um, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm so grateful. Thank you, Ireland, to, to, to listen to me and to be open to me. I appreciate jobs of this nature are transient. And Vera Pau is Ireland's for now, but you won't be Ireland's forever. Maybe a part of you will. But you seem to have struck up a very special affinity with this country. You, know, you seem to have a very genuine link with the people of Ireland in advance of the events of this week. Yes, yeah, I, I had a, a very tough year in, in, in a whole because in, in the summer I had no choice and other choice anymore than reveal what, what happened to me. Um, and also back then um, I... I I was really afraid for reactions, but I had I had no choice anymore. It was this or not living anymore. And um, then the, the immediate warmth that I got from Ireland, from from people that I did not know, of course from 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 my players and from my staff and from the FAI, they were immediately they they, they called me, they helped me, they 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 pushed me up again when I was down. Um, but especially all those people who really thought, like, what am I going to write to Vera? Um, it was not just something they really thought about it. And um, I received over 3,000 messages in, in, in an hour and a half or something. And, yeah, you cannot, people in I hope that they feel, the, I, I cannot describe what that means for me. Have you had support from the people closest to you in terms of the player base over the last couple of days? Uh, am I allowed to inquire as to... <laughs> the extent of the communication from the current squad, the people that know Vera Pau of 2022 yeah. the best? Almost all the players have sent a message, and um, but they they also in, in the summer, they keep a bit distance because they know, they feel how difficult it is, but I feel the strong, strong mm. support of them. To talk about sport, we spoke in a television interview a couple of hours in advance of you winning the award, and I asked you if you understood how much your team and your management team, everyone involved, is loved by the footballing people of Ireland. I'd imagine you understand it a little bit more after winning the award tonight. I know, yeah. I know it's about the team. You're the you're the head of the operation, but you know, this is a team that so many people are invested in, have done so much for so many people. Yeah, and and, and I feel very very strongly that this award is. Um, well, it's given to me, but it's of my team, uh, my staff. I've got such an incredible staff. The, the players, it's just a bunch of fantastic people. And we bond so well. And, and of course we have, in top sports, you need to go to the edges with each other. And, and that is with such a respect and such a power that those players and my staff have. Um, that we knew together we are going to make this uh, and it's such a privilege to be part of that. There's a lot of work to be done in advance of getting to Australia next year but you know the level of support that you will have and you know that there are people already who are planning to try and take trips halfway across the world to be there. Yeah, the, the tickets has gone, have gone. Uh, the, uh, FIFA had given only a certain amount of tickets to, uh, to Ireland because there would not be enough people otherwise there would be empty seats where within I think within an hour 
the seats, the, the tickets were gone, and everybody's now trying through other channels to get tickets. Um, but that is amazing. It's never happened in women's football, and it's not for nothing that FIFA had said on, on in, in an announcement that Ireland was well, one of the best-selling countries. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Just to finish, um, events of the week can leave a legacy, and people can stick in people's minds. Do events of the week, do you think, when the dust settles slightly, will that motivate you to make an even bigger impact in this World Cup so that people reflect again on Vera Pau, the coach, and not Vera Pau that they yeah. read about in reports? Or yeah. Listen, we live in a world where it's very easy for people to say things positive and negative about individuals. Yeah. But do you think when the time comes it will impact on your motivation for the World Cup? Especially tonight, the fact that I've been a day after being been given the Manager of the Year award. Uh, that means that everybody is unconditionally behind us and that will give us even more power to prepare and to be absolutely ready and, and to give everything we have in every cell of our, our body um, uh, to make something good of it in, in Australia. That's Vera Pau chatting on Saturday evening. The interview with Rashida Adeleke tomorrow night in the programme. That is of events you saw in the flesh. Mm-hmm. That game against Scotland is your highlight of 2022. Yeah, to be there that night, I was lucky enough, Damien, to be in Hamden Park, self and Adrian Eames. It was absolutely amazing. And it's one of those moments that you will look back in years to come and think it was so historic. She's She's been a breath of fresh air since she's come in as the manager. The girls have worked so hard to achieve their goal of qualifying for a major tournament. They've achieved that now. And I think it's onwards and upwards for them. I had the most enjoyable evening on Saturday because I was doing interviews for social media and the TV show in advance of the awards. And look, like I never met Rachel Blackmore before. Legend. Exactly. She is a legend. And then Israel Alatunde landed by. And my highlight of the year gone by was being in Munich for his final. Mm. And I said it to him. And he was like, I oh, know you're messing. I was like, no. Like, to be in Munich, this unbelievable ceremony in advance of the final. And then the dust settles. And you're there for the 100 metres final, which is the pinnacle of any athletics meet. Mm. And there's a guy in the middle of it in a green singlet representing Ireland. You know the best thing about Irish sports people, Damon, I've said it a long, long time, and it even goes back to what we were saying earlier with Infantino, it's their humility. Yeah. Normal Joes. Um, it's the last time I think you and I will be on air in 2022. We Happy don't Christmas. always agree with each other. No. We sometimes have Barneys. We sometimes fall out with each other. But there is nobody whose company I enjoy more in the studio. A fair so play, Damon. Happy Christmas really? to you and the family. Same to you. Thank I, you. I just know all your buttons to press. Well, the good thing is, and and it's almost like the, an argument on a football pitch, and you shake hands after we walk out that door together. We're going to walk down the corridor and talk about <laughs> Harry Maguire and why he gets too much abuse. Uh, Connor Bean is on the way. Thanks to everybody involved in the program. From all of us here, to we chat again. Good night. RTE Two FM.